Welcome to the Holly Burby Podcast, the place for insights, advice, and real talk for mamas of teens and young adults. If you're ready to equip, empower, and encourage your teenage or young adult kiddo for success in our ever-changing world, this is the place for you. My name is Holly Burby, and with more than 20 years of experience as a school teacher, leadership coach, and relationship mentor, I know firsthand the unique challenges and growth opportunities that come with raising this generation. Today, as a professional coach and mentor, I help moms, teens, and young adults learn super simple emotional intelligence habits that they can use to manage their anxieties, cope with stress, and navigate the messy emotional moments that come with growing up. Each week, we'll practice having uncomfortable conversations in a more comfortable way about all things adolescent. Understanding your teen or young adult doesn't have to feel confusing, scary, or hard, my friend. Forgive your mistakes easily, ditch the mom guilt, and regain confidence in your ability to be there for your kid in the best way that you know how. So put on your smarty pants, get cozy, and let's dish out some mama bear wisdom just for you. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This is the Holly Burpee Podcast. I am so grateful that you are here today and listening to this show because there are some people out there that may simply not be ready to listen to some of the content that I'm providing to you, some of the information that I'm putting out there. And I thought today I would address it by talking about three reasons my podcast is hard for parents of teens or young adults to listen to. Now, full disclosure, today's episode was inspired by a comment that I received in my free Facebook community, which by the way, if you haven't joined yet, it's a support community on Facebook called the Holly Burby Podcast Insiders, and it's just for you. It's a place to have additional resources given to you. I put free content out there, bonus videos, and ultimately the best part is you get to talk with other parents in the thick of the emotional mess of raising teenagers, just like you, and know that you are not alone. So anyhow, somebody made a comment when I put my last episode out, and it was a few days after I debuted the episode, and the comment said something like, Holly, I waited a few days to listen to this because I wasn't ready to hear it, and here is why. And so I was thinking to myself, hmm, of all the different objections people have had to either listening to my advice or listening to the show or even internally, whether they never shared or not, they might just internally think, well, I don't need that. I think there's three solid rationales behind that. And so I thought I would present them to you and let's see what you think about it. So I'm going to start a little bit at the surface and then I'll dig a little bit deeper. So let's start with reason number one. The first reason why someone may not want to listen to my podcast or might find it difficult as a parent of a teen or a young adult to listen to my show is because I personally, Holly, have never birthed a child and raised them from birth. Now there is, in, in the world, there's kind of two schools of thought on this. Some people will take advice wisdom, knowledge, help, support from anyone that is willing to provide it and which they who they deem knowledgeable in some way, like that person has studied it, they have job experience in it, etc. And then there's also a camp of people, the school of thought, where 
if the person hasn't been through this exact scenario that looks just like my life, then I am not going to take their advice. Meaning, I, have I ever birthed a child? No. So some people are automatically going to disqualify my input because I haven't done that. And how could I, in their mind, they might think, how could Holly possibly know what it's like to have your heart walking around the planet outside of your body? And to them, I say, you're right. I don't know that exact experience. As I've said in other shows and in other social content, um, I'm getting married in September of this year. So I'm recording this in 2023. And my fiance has a soon-to-be 10-year-old girl. And she is my world. She is a gift. She is, as far as I am concerned, an, an answered prayer, as is my fiance. And in my previous marriage, many, many years ago, I was married to someone who had a son that also I was in that kid's life from, you know, all the way through middle school and into like almost to the end of high school. And then I have my teaching experience. And all that being said, with my stepmom experience of the past and of the present and my classroom experience as a teacher, there will still be people that because I haven't lived through their exact situation, they're not going to be able to hear what I have to say or honor it. And again, that's okay. That is their choice. And they're right, frankly. I mean, like it is their right to have that choice. That's what I mean. <laughs> and I, again, I haven't been through that. But here is what I would say as a rebuttal. If I were to have one or if somebody wanted to hear my take or my comeback, for lack of a better word. The gift that I do have is the gift of being objective. And something that I think is pretty <laughs> undeniable, most parents, when it comes to their opinion on how their kid acts, behaves, the choices their kid makes or doesn't make at any age, young child, teenager, young adult, full-grown adult, I think the major I will assert that the majority of parents are subjective. They form their opinion about their kid based on their own personal opinion, based on their own read, their own interpretation of their child. And they're attached. And I don't blame them. I'm attached about things that are related to my dog. <laughs> Not even, I'm not even talking about people yet. But the attachment is, yes, on one hand, it is out of that intention that we want our young person, we want our kid to live a life that is thriving, healthy, successful, it contribute like a, as a contribution to society. And at the same time, your kid's actions or lack of actions are a reflection of who you are as a parent or as a person. That is what most parents feel. They feel like, yeah, my kid is walking around the world and yes, I want what's best for my kid. But also we cannot deny the majority of parents are subjective and want their kid to make great choices because they want everyone to recognize that they're a good parent. They're not a terrible parent. They didn't raise this human being to be a complete demon. 
So it is something that I bring to the table as an emotional intelligence expert, as a teacher, as a public educator, as someone who is a total nerd about this subject. I bring objectivity because the only place I can learn from, if not from exact experience as you, is I learn from reading, from studies, from other experts. It's it's the thing that I am passionate about. This is my baby, is studying these topics over and over and over again and asking questions and consistently recognizing and admitting that I do not have all the answers, that I only know what I know and I do not know what I don't know, neither do you, and I am okay with that. And so it allows me to, when I'm working with parents, when I'm working with teenagers and young adults, I am able to sit back to zoom out and have a different perspective where I know the parent of the teenager or the teenager or young adult themselves, they're going to go out in the world and they're going to make the choice that they make. And yeah, I set the same intention that you do. Of course, I want them to do well in the world. Otherwise, I wouldn't do what I do. But When they make that choice, I am less likely to change my perspective of who I am as a person, as a coach, based on how that kid acts. Whereas you are more likely to take some heat for it if they make some some not so great decisions and choices. So that's one reason why the podcast might be difficult for some parents of teens to listen to because they want someone who is 100% relatable that is going to present another subjective opinion that they can go, oh yeah, that's the same opinion that I have. But I'm bringing to the table as much as I can facts, objectivity, and a detached perspective. And I think that can be a gift. And the last thing I'll say on this is there's a a phrase in coaching, we call this your blind spot. And yes, it's just like your blind spot when you're driving a car or learning how to drive. In the periphery, on either side of your vehicle, there are things that you simply cannot see. And when you're learning how to drive, you have to create a habit where you are consistently looking at those areas and making sure that you are not in harm's way, that you are going to merge lanes when you can without hitting anyone. And coaches, what we are skilled and trained to do is I'm watching you drive that vehicle. In this case, I'm watching you parent your teen, parent your young adult, and I'm looking for blind spots. I want to hear from you when I'm coaching you, what do you see in the blind spot? What do you think might be there that your eyes aren't literally seeing, but you have a feeling that it's there? And then what I can do is I can zoom out in perspective from an objective point of view and go, huh, well, I kind of see this thing over here. What's your take on that? What is your feeling on that? What is your thought on that? So I can ask you questions where we can together discover what some of those blind spots are and then correct them and form those habits that you need as a parent, as someone who's committed to raising emotionally intelligent young people. We can then create the habits and the strategies together that will course correct not only your blind spots and make you better as a parent, 
But also then you get to teach your teen and your young adult these skills as well. And that helps them to mature into emotionally intelligent young people as well. So that's the first part. It's kind of the longest reason. But all right, let's go into the second two. The second reason that my podcast might be hard for some parents of teens to listen to is because we're not talking about little kids anymore. We're talking about teenagers. And I assert that when your kids are younger, when your kids are born, they're toddlers, they're kindergarten school age, especially if you have more than one child, especially if it's your first child we're talking about, you are more likely when they are younger to take any little piece of wisdom that you can get. Think about if you have your child from birth there were probably so many resources that you were seeking out. Everything from what should be on the baby registry, how do I breastfeed, do I need a lactation consultant, uh, the car seat, putting together the car seat, the stroller, do I really need this, do I really need that, how many burp cloths really will I go through in a day? Listen, you were probably a seeker of information at that time. And then if you did have more than one child, then probably by the time you had your second one and further on, you have a little more experience under your belt. And while that can give you some confidence of, okay, I've been here, I've been here, I can do this. Also, that experience, if you're not careful, can also cause you to start to reject other people's insight, other people's wisdom. Now notice I'm saying insight and wisdom and not opinion. Everyone's going to have an opinion. But you might, when you get comfortable with something, it's easy to say, I know enough. I don't need to learn anymore because I probably know enough for this one. And when I find out I'm missing some information, I will go get it. I'm not going to actively pursue a ton of advice. So that is a second reason why this podcast might be hard for some parents of teens to listen to because as your child gets older, you may become more resistant to taking advice on it because man, as a middle school and high school teacher, as many times as I have sat in a parent-teacher conference or called a parent about a consequence or a disciplinary issue, for as many times as I've heard the words, not my child, not my child, not my kid, she would never do that. He would never do that. Oh my goodness. My colleagues and I used to joke that if we ever wrote a book of stories, we would call it not my child because that was all we heard. And it's easy for parents or when we just know anyone for a long period of time in our life, what do we start to do? We start to have these assumptions of, I know them. I know my kid. I know how they act. I know how they would respond. I know how they won't. I know my kid. You don't know my kid. And they're a teenager now. I've been watching them for 15, 16, 17 years. You're not going to teach me anything that I don't know about my kid. I am more familiar with my kid than you are. And to an extent, absolutely, you're right. I do not know your kid for their entire life like you do, but it's a slippery slope because on one hand, I love that confidence that you embody 
and that trust of your experience, trusting your experience, trusting your inner wisdom, your intuition, trusting that you know what to do and you're resourceful enough to figure it out. But the slippery slope is also in the same vein, you can start to push away objective ideas, new information, and reject things like topics on this show altogether, all for the sake of just being able to say, no one knows my kid, not my kid. (laughs) My kid wouldn't do that. My kid would do this. And remember, our teenagers and young adults, just like you, my friend, they are evolving all the time. And it's not always evolution that we can see. And sometimes we can see them evolving, growing, maturing, getting taller, etc. But they're, <laughs> they might be going through something internally and we're only seeing the external not change very much or vice versa. So just be aware of that. If you notice your kid has gotten older and as they've gotten older, you become less and less likely to hear out new ideas, it's just something to think about. Because if you're committed to being an emotionally intelligent parent who's raising emotionally intelligent young people and therefore adults for the future, then why wouldn't we hear out new ideas, new perspectives, try them on, see if they fit us, if they don't, and then let go what doesn't work for you. And lastly, reason number three why my podcast might be hard for some parents of teens to listen to is that the ideas that I present here mean that you might have to change. You might have to shift. You may need to look at some of the things that you are doing, some of the ways that you communicate, some of the actions that you take or do not take, some of the ways that you are super, super attached to how your kid does something. You might have to let go of that. I'm asking you, to potentially change how you do things. And it's hard for some parents to hear this because who wants to talk about and focus on the things that aren't going so well? One of the key tools that I use when I'm coaching young people, and I bring this up with um, the parents as well, or really in general, I use this tool for anyone who feels they are super hard on themselves, very self-critical people. And the tool is I ask people to take the to take the labels of good and bad and replace the word good with effective or replace the word good with it works the thing that is working. And I also, on the flip side, ask them to take the word bad and replace it with ineffective or replace the word bad with not working. So for example, if I'm coaching one of the teenagers that I work with and I say, you know, how did it go studying for your math midterm? And she says to me, oh, you know, like I just did, it was so bad. I was so bad about it. I didn't prioritize, I didn't schedule, I didn't do this. It was it was bad. And I asked her, now this is a totally made up example, by the way, but it's very similar to th- conversations I've had. I can then ask her as a coach, all right, instead of saying it was bad, do you feel that it was ineffective how you prepared for your math midterm? Do you feel that the way you prepared for your math midterm didn't work for you? in the way that you wanted to, to get you closer to that goal. Now, with that reframe of the question, 
what happens is parents, if you tend to take these things personal and you're super self-critical, when we take out the word bad, we therefore are able to talk about the action without labeling you as a person. Meaning, if there's something that you do or don't do with your teenager or your young adult kid, and you tell yourself, oh, that was bad. I shouldn't have said that. That was bad. This was bad. Then this happened and that was bad. Can you switch the language to it was ineffective? Can you switch the language to it didn't work? Because now we're talking about the action that was ineffective and not giving you the desire that you're after. Instead, if we say this was bad, that was bad, you are telling yourself that you as a person are bad. And that is simply not true. So this is a way to what we call in transformational world, this is a way to uncollapse, to take and separate your worth and value as a person and separate it, uncollapse it from the action that you took or didn't take when it comes to raising your teenager or young adult. So again, reason number three why my podcast might be hard for some parents of teens to listen to is they may not be ready to hear the information because it may be asking them to shift or change something. And if that is you, try on that tool. Can you listen to the skills and the habits and the suggestions that I present on this show and just simply start with some mindfulness, some self-awareness. Notice if you're listening to something I present and you think to yourself, oh, I did that. That was bad. Mm. Interrupt yourself. Put the big stop sign in your brain and think, stop. No, it's not that it was bad. It was simply ineffective. It simply didn't work. I am not bad. I am a well-intentioned parent who loves, who cares, who's kind, who wants the best for my family, for myself, for my child. And I made a choice. I took an action that was simply ineffective. And so use that tool that might help you to hear some of this information and not feel like at the end of every episode, I messed up again. No, you didn't. Remember, we are all doing the best we can with what we know. You know what you know. You are aware of the things that you know how to do, right? You know, for example, how to make your bed in the morning. Doesn't mean you do it, but you probably know how to do it. You know how to do that. You likely know how to drive a car and you know, you know how to do those things. You also are aware in life as a a parent and as a person, you also know the things you don't know. For example, if you are a physician, you pro- you can admittedly say you likely don't know how to drive a school bus. If you are, I can't even think of any examples right now. Anyway, I hope you get the point. There are things that you know you don't know how to do. The majority of us probably don't know how to fly an airplane. The majority of us probably don't know how to perform open heart surgery. You know the things you know and you are you know or are aware of the things you don't know. But what I'm telling you, again, is you know what you know. <laughs> you do the best with it that you can. But what this show is about is highlighting your blind spots. And what we're getting into the root of is... The things that you don't know that you don't know. 
don't even know that it's out there. You don't even know that this suggestion, that this thing has been in your blind spot and it's the thing that has been keeping you from having the result with your teenager or young adult for so long. I am here to highlight those things for you. I hope this episode is helpful. If you ever notice just by reading the title of an episode or listening to some of it, if you've ever had a moment of defensiveness or what does she know or I do the best I can, if you notice you just have these feelings come up, come back to this episode and remind yourself, again, you're doing the best you can with what you know how to do and you are resourceful, you have the resources, we all are learning. And if your commitment is to remain open-minded in the sense that you are learning with the intention to grow, learning with the intention to get closer and closer to the kind of family and parent and result with your kids that you want, that's all we can do. The aim is good enough. And the results, well, the results will show up when they do. So be easy on yourself, my friend. That's all I have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you. And until next time, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. I'm sending you the biggest hug from over here. I truly hope this episode brought you one step closer to navigating quarter life challenges with confidence. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much to me if you take 30 seconds to help others discover the show. Share this episode with a friend, leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, or take a screenshot of today's episode, tag me in your Instagram stories at holly.burby.coaching, and share with me what you learned. Want more discussion and support from other mamas? Join our free community, Holly Burby Podcast Insiders, over on Facebook. I'll leave the link for you in the show notes. Until next time, stay curious, remain encouraged, and keep empowering yourself. You're doing great, I promise.